You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This is Bucks and Bolts with Casey Hudson and Kaylee Mizell. What's going on, hockey fans? Welcome to... Pucks and Bolts, an Odyssey original podcast, analyzing the Tampa Bay Lightning in their quest to further cement this team as a dynasty and Tampa Bay as a hockey town. Pucks and Bolts will bring you in-depth insight of games, practices, storylines of your favorite players and coaches multiple times a week. So to stay up to date on all the excitement of the Tampa Bay Lightning, you're going to want to download that Odyssey app. Search Pucks and Bolts, hit that auto-download button, and keep up to date on all brand new episodes. They'll be sitting there waiting for you. You also want to share them with friends, family, other hockey fans, and duh, anyone who loves the Tampa Bay Lightning, because who doesn't? I'm your host, Casey Hudson, joined by Adam Denker, host of Locked on Lightning, and it's time for us to get into a brand new episode of Pucks and Bolts. Adam, what's up? Thank you for bearing with me and my tech issues this morning. (laughs) How's your Friday going? Better than mine so far? My Friday's going very well, Casey. I, I was saying before you hopped on, I, I'm the king of technical difficulties. So I, <laughs> I've definitely been there once or twice. All right. Well, I at least appreciate the patience and stuff. I never want to be that person that's like never got technology under control. You know, parents, family members, they always come to me asking questions <laughs> and little do they know I'm figuring it out too. Um, but so much excitement to get into when it comes to the lightning. One of my favorite times of the year is that midway point. But of course, there's been milestone on milestone. And one of the guys hedging every milestone on this team is Steven Samkos. He collects 500 and then some versus the Canucks on Wednesday night. Uh, what was your thought? Did you stay up for that game, first of all? I did no not. <laughs> I did not. And I was I was saying to myself and a couple of other people uh, through the Lockdown Podcast Network that let let I hope he just gets it done in St. Louis because we got a couple of late ones coming up. And, and of course, he couldn't get the job done on Monday against Seattle, which was fine. And, and then I said to myself, he's going to do it either in Edmonton or Vancouver. And uh, lo and behold, uh, he did it oh. <laughs> with, during one of the latest games that we had on this on the road trip. And uh, listen, he has a flair for the dramatic. He always has uh, becoming mm-hmm. not only the 47th player in NHL history to have the 500 goal mark, but also the seventh player since 1986 uh, to score his 500th career goal while also collecting a hat trick uh, in the process. So. Listen, it, it was what a way to do it. What a way to do it on the opposite end of the the, the continent. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I said on my show the other day, I, he's far from done from breaking uh, records. Right. And I'm actually so glad that you said that because the biggest note that I've had surrounding Stammer collecting 500, doing it with a Hattie, is the fact that do we not talk about Steven Stamkos enough in the NHL? There's so many players' names and like, you know, I see that Tate Thompson's tearing it up, but I almost feel like his doing is overshadowing, you know, what a guy like Steven Samkos brings to the ice, brings to the NHL. Do you feel like he's such an underrated player in in many ways? 
Oh, a hundred percent. And I think a lot of that has to do with people just the hockey world taking for granted what Steven Stamkos could do on a nightly basis. And then you pair that up with the fact that he's playing with two other superstars and then another one in goaltend in the goaltending situation. I mean, a lot of people look at him as having an easier situation than maybe you would have for maybe Connor McDavid, which why a lot of people, you know, rightfully so Connor McDavid's the best player in the world, but at the same time, it's Leon Dreisaitl and then it drops off the table a little bit. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. Steven Stamkos, I still think is one of the most underrated players in the league. Uh, it was funny. Actually, I saw on Twitter once he got 500, people were actually having the discussion. This definitely puts him in the Hall of Fame now. So you mean to tell me that Steven Stamkos wasn't in the Hall of Fame before he got his 500th career goal? Right. I think that, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a very silly conversation that a lot of people have been having. And, and I think, you know, after the, the two back-to-back uh, Stanley Cup championships and then going to a third straight final i i think the the conversation should have ended there but here we are still having that conversation casey i know and it's such a great point to mention how everyone sort of rallied the hall of fame conversation around 500 the the twitter's a funny beast for sure because between nhl and espn it's like you know they weren't even on stammer watch to the length that they were for ovechkin or when crosby yeah. hit 500 a while ago it's so that's why I was thinking, I'm like, they're not talking about Steven Samkos enough. They're not talking about the injuries that he went through and where his milestones would have landed if it wasn't for him being able to only play and participate in 60% of a season or 20% of a season. Yeah. And for them to win the Stanley Cup when they did and how they did it in that short turnaround time with all the restrictions, you're talking about a guy that was still able to lead his team and be such a representation on that bench in so many ways. So one of the most underrated players in my, in, in my mindset, I'm so glad that you agree with that, which kind of brings us to this road trip. You wanted him to hit 500 versus the blues. I wanted him to hit it versus the blues. I'm sure the pressure was on, but they had a good performance versus the blues. They had a sound game in my opinion, versus the Seattle Kraken. What's kind of been your overall assessment of this road trip coach Cooper mentioned before the guys hit the road, how crucial it would be for them to walk away with as many points as possible especially with them being on the tail end of Toronto, they were kind of lighting a fire in the Atlantic division. Well, I I think so far the road trip has been a success. You know, obviously you want to get that win last night against the Edmonton Oilers, but you know, I always look at these West coast trips as kind of a measuring stick at no matter what point you are at the season, because that's really where you kind of see what kind of team you are mentally. Uh, You know, we, we are all aware it's a, the the time zone is wonky out there compared to playing on the East coast. So, you know, some guys might be going to these games a little extra tired than they would if they were playing at home or on the East coast. But you know what? I I thought they were, they've played very well. I've thought they've played without well within their game. Sometimes we see Tampa kind of get away from what works, but for the most part, I, I think that, so far, it's a, it's a, it's a success. I, I think if I had to put a grade on it, I would probably say maybe a B. Um, you know, hopefully they could, you know, end the road trip on a high note. Um, but, you know, thus far, I, I think that everything has been a success. And, and especially the, like I said, I think, I think the win against Seattle, I, I think that was a big win for us. You know, a lot, a lot has been made of what Seattle has been doing this year. Uh, thankfully that game was at four o'clock on Monday instead of 10 o'clock. Uh, but I, I think thus far it's been a success and I, and then you're seeing a lot of good play from everybody on this team. Yeah. I, I really feel like they're kind of 
getting on the right trajectory at the right time, starting to piece together their game a bit more. That is what I liked about the Seattle game. It was one of their more complete 60 minute of hockey games. Um, not a bunch of giveaways yet, not a bunch of takeaways, which kind of leads me into last night's performance. The five game win streak was snapped. Uh, I know some people are probably like, oh, well, it's the Oilers. It's Mick David, the god of whatever and Dreisaitl and all these things. But I feel like when they play against teams like this, you see how well they can actually contend with the top teams in the league, yet, you know, they fall short by by this much. Um, my biggest takeaways from last night's game, obviously, sometimes the penalties keep them from getting within their structure. If they cannot get in their structure versus a fast-paced team or like a strong, formidable offensive team, they kind of end up chasing the game the entire time and losing out unless they rally big in the third period. Uh, Oilers owned that first period. What were your biggest takeaways from yesterday's game or last night's midnight showdown? <laughs> <laughs> I was a little concerned to start off, honestly. Once the Oilers went up 2-0, I the team kind of looked a little bit flat. Um, to start off, you know, but nothing that we haven't seen before. The Lightning are notorious for being slow starters. So, you know, the the you were looking towards that second period as sort of them getting it together, which they did. They scored three goals in the second period. But you hit the nail right on the head there, Casey, by saying, you know, the, the try to stay away from allowing the, the Oilers to get on the power play. And unfortunately, they couldn't do that. The Oilers did have four chances last night, only capitalized once on them. But still, I... You got you can't allow Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and you know that cast of guys that the Oilers have that weirdly enough that the team is a lot better on the power play when those guys are able to play with each other than rather on even strength. But um I thought the Lightning, though, all things considered, other than the fact that you know they gave up the one power play goal, I thought they played well. You know, they controlled the puck for the most part. Uh, they did a good job in the face-off circle, 55% on the night. Anytime that you could get into the mid fifties, you know, you're giving yourself a very good chance of winning. Um, but you know what? Sometimes the puck doesn't just drop in, in favor of you. And, and that's what we saw last night. Vasilevsky was a little shaky here and there in some spots uh, after a, a solid performance for Brian Elliott the night before. But it, it's one of those games where you kind of just take, got to take it for what it is and, and just hope that the team and, and, you know, you might say this for any other team, but you know, with the lightning, all that veteran leadership that they have, you know, that they've already dissected and calculated what they have to do in the next game. And, you know, they, they, they take that very seriously. So you, you're, you're going to expect some changes in the next matchup uh, from this veteran yeah. leadership. Yeah, their ability to assess and adjust, I would say, is quite top-notch. Um, that's typically why you don't see them going on many losing streaks uh, and anything turning into a snowball effect there. Something that I love pointing out when it comes to these matchups and these games is when Cooper throws the lines in the blender and shuffles things up. Has there been a line besides that top line, because it's been the most consistent and obviously very exciting, I think one of the most exciting top lines in the league, but is there another line that you feel like should stick or that they should readjust back to you know uh you've got nick paul that bumps down to that third line he's been hanging out on the third line the past couple of games i loved him on the second line with sam coast but then stammer and killer have this chemistry and alex Kalorn is finally starting to come to life this season yeah. i mean he had two assists on stammer's hattie the other night he had an assist last night um he's starting to get that that confidence or i guess get that influencer chip back on his shoulder i know it takes him a minute to get there but we're seeing it and i think a lot of it obviously has to do with line mate steven stamkos 
I don't really have a line that that I like more than the other. And I think a lot of that has to go back to what you said. Cooper loves adjusting the lines and, and, and just changing things up at the drop of a hat. I I like the the changeups all, all around. I think it keeps everybody loose. I keep I think it keeps everybody comfortable and, and just everybody fresh. You know, I say on my show, I think that's one of the best things that Cooper does that I don't think he gets a lot of credit for is that uh not only does it it gives the opposing teams a different look on the ice, but it allows the guys to not get too stale with their line mates. And believe it or not, as close as all these guys are, they do get stale playing with the same guy over and over and over again. So it it, it allows different looks. It allows different combinations. And and yeah, I Alex Kalorn, I mean, he has really turned it around. I was killing him the first couple of months of the year. And he <laughs> he must have listened to my show because he he complete he completely turned it around in the month of December. And and now I was we we go from is he gonna get traded possibly at the deadline to yep. we can't trade this guy. We can't trade him at all. And and you know, I, I, I think he's he's really done a very good job as like I said, goes back to that leadership mentality, and he's definitely done a good job on the ice of, of leading this team to some some big wins. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And it's funny that you mentioned the whole deadline trade deadline situation because I remember uh, it was either last year or the year before when the first big slew of changes came in and Alex Kalorn's name was on that potential chopping block along with Tyler Johnson and a few other guys. And then it's like he dials it up and he, he makes the case that you can't get rid of him just yet. And then after the season that he had last year, I thought last year was one of his best career seasons in my personal opinion. So I think the expectations were high coming into this season, slow start, not really hearing his name much, not really feeling him gelling with any of the lines. And then all of a sudden he starts coming to life and that trade deadline, that trade deadline words (laughs) is coming around the corner. Um, And then you said it, you know, now it's like, how would you get rid of this guy? What would you do? What would be ideal for this trade deadline in your opinion? Uh, to make this team go from go to the next level. You know, I've seen a lot of stuff on, and, and it goes back to Twitter being a weird kind of beast. Uh, I've monster. seen some, some, yeah, exactly. <laughs> monster. Um, <laughs> and I was always in the camp of, if you could get the deal done, go after Patrick Kane. And obviously oh. with salary cap constrictions, that's more than likely not going to happen. Um, I don't see, you know, in years past we've had we have we've had to get Coleman. We've we've got Nick Paul last year. I don't think the Lightning need to do much at the trade deadline this year. I think a lot of it has to go back on depth. Maybe pick up a depth defenseman, pick up a depth forward. Um, you, you know, it's it, 
it's a little bit weird this year because you don't have to worry about getting that one guy that's going to kind of come in and change things up that we've seen in years past. It's it's more about just adding extra bodies. And so it's going to be interesting what Julian Breesboss does at the deadline. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be very interesting to see whose names start to pop up. I mean, there's if you look at this lineup, there's the only guy that really could potentially be moved is Kalorn. And like we said, he he has he has really made the case of keeping himself in Tampa, which I think at this point I, it would be kind of crazy not to keep him. But yeah, it's yeah. going to be interesting to see what name kind of pops up at the last minute that the Lightning might snatch up in some sort of under the table kind deal uh, at the eleventh hour. So I think that's really what it comes down to. I think it's just going to be just a depth forward, a depth defenseman. Uh, nothing too crazy this year. Uh, pretty much a mellow trade deadline for Tampa, which is really out of the ordinary for us. I know. Aside from the fact of the cap drama, I don't know how they continue to just finesse this cap restriction and pull certain <laughs> yeah. guys in. Now, where I do wish we had cap space and um, love the Patrick Kane perspective, but I'm I'm kind of waiting for them to bring in a guy that can create more stability on the defensive end of things. Um, while defense's game has picked up tremendously, I would say December uh, through, it still feels like it's not as consistent or not the strongest level of performances that we've seen out of this Tampa Bay Lightning team. Um, you've got so many question marks next to Hayden Fleury and Cal Foot. Fleury sitting at nine goals, 23 assists. Foot sitting at four goals and 11 assists. And then you got this guy, Nick Perbix, who's starting to really step into his own at the NHL level already at four goals um, and 12 points. Do you think that there is a quality defenseman out there that can help bring that stability to the team so that they're not always relying on Victor Hedman to train up the new guy? Because that's kind of where the rotation comes in. Whenever they're not sure about somebody, they get bumped up to Hedman for a second. And these guys haven't really had much time. Sergachev, Perbex, I think they've pretty much solidified their pairing. Uh, Chernak and Cole, they've solidified their pairing. But outside of that, there's still so much movement going on. You know, it's very difficult. The name that comes to mind that really would have been a great fit for this Lightning team, but, you know, we go back to salary constrictions, and that is Eric Carlson. And oh. it, that that would have been a great pick-me-up at the, at the deadline. That would have Could been a great pick-me-up, I know. It, it would have been a great pickup, but at the same time, you know, money, money is king in the NHL. So it, it's funny that you brought up Cal Foot because I was so high on him to start this season. I really thought he was going to take another step forward uh, after the way he played in the playoffs last year. And it's yep. been somewhat disappointing for him. But, you know, it, it's funny to think also about Nick Pervix because if you remember correctly, he was just a placeholder until Bogosian got back. And and now we're yeah. in this weird conversation that Cal Foot might be the odd man out. Hayden Flurry is kind of in and out of the lineup when need be, when certain guys need a night off or banged up. So, I mean, do you trade? Do we have the conversation? Because I have seen this idea floated around here and there. Do you do you work out a deal, you know, to bring in a veteran? Do you work out a deal that sends Cal Foot to another organization or have you given up on him oh see that's where i feel bad because i had some high hopes for him too when they first pulled him into everything i feel like he was making that you know game by game progress that you want to see out of a young defenseman he was learning he was adjusting and then all of a sudden it was just kind of like mistake 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 and you see how much he beats himself up which obviously this game means so much to these guys but it's getting to the point to where i feel like it's hard for him to 
get rid of those mistakes, like shed them mentally, because you're seeing him kind of wear them in, in certain points of the game. Um, then I want to say it was like, maybe end of October, he started to pick up his game a little bit, uh, started racking up in the block total, especially when guys like Eric Chernak were out with, with injuries. And so then there was that another hopeful moment. I kind of think he's at the end of his rope, though, of saying that he belongs on this team because Perbix was a surprise. I think Bogosian, this is his last season within his contract because when he came back, I think it was just for two years. Yeah. Um, so now there's all this, you know, they would have needed to see him step up in such a larger form to say, we'll keep you versus maybe we can bring somebody else in who's like a true stay at home defenseman because there's no, there's been no replacement to McDonough if you yeah. think about it. And I think that's why it's probably hard to consider keeping Calfoot. Flurry's been, you know, here or there inconsistent. Flurry and Footy have been responsible for a lot of turnovers in the zone that have been, you know, almost tragic. Um, so I feel like if they can clear cap space with those movements, then that's kind of where they have to go. But I feel so bad because I had high hopes for Foot too. Yeah, I think that that's a decision that's going to be made in the offseason. But it, it's I, I think we're going to get somebody that we haven't really – heard of who's kind of on the rise on the defensive part and uh, department kind of something what we saw last year with Braden Hagel you knew about him you heard what he was doing but it wasn't really something you know it, it, a lot of people were tentative when he came in because it's like is he successful because of him or is he successful because he's playing with Patrick Kane so I think you might see that with an, a little bit of a uh, when, when they do bring in a defenseman uh, into the mix possibly at the deadline yeah, actually, I'm so glad you brought up Brandon Hagel. Let's chat about him for a second before we get into a quick little midseason review, and then we'll let you out of here shortly. But um, I love that you mentioned that people were like, okay, Hagel's good because he plays with Kane. Then when he got here, he was surrounded by questions of, you know, your line mates with the Blackhawks, and now you've got Nikita Kucherov. And I got a chance to sit down with him right before they left for the road trip and ask him, you know, about his individual identity. Hockey's a Wii sport. I'm a big fan of that. But, you know, I want to know what he thinks of himself as an individual. And he's like, well, I'm not the most skilled player on that top line. And I think he's so skilled. I think he's faster yeah. than people expect. Um, I think that with his size, his forechecking ability, his physicality, he's not afraid to drop the gloves. He's not afraid to stay on you. And he's got similar tight coverage as Anthony Sorelli has without drawing 100 penalties. So yeah. what would you say makes him special as a player without the Patrick Kane or the Nikita Kucherov or Braden Point? Well, I, I think what really makes him special, and, and you could really throw this label on a lot of players on this team, and it really what it comes down to is that their ability to adapt to how they are playing in the moment. Um, it was so much was made when he was brought in last year that he wasn't scoring. Uh, he had 22 mm -hmm. goals, I believe, out in Chicago, came to Tampa, maybe scored not even a handful of goals, uh, didn't really do much in the playoffs but uh, offensively. But what he did that really contributed was he played physical. And and so really what it comes down to, he's a Swiss Army knife. He's, he's, he's able to do so much of everything to a degree to where it has an effect uh, positively on this team. And he, certain moments, and, and not to get too nostalgic here, but he reminds me in certain moments of Yanni Gord. And... I, that's what I love about Brandon Hagel because we all enjoyed what Yanni Gord did. Uh, yeah, like you said, wasn't afraid uh, to drop the gloves, not afraid to get physical, not to get into the dirt, not afraid to get into the dirty areas, and can score. And and I mm -hmm. see that would I see that with Brandon Hagel, and and I think that 
he's really come on this year. And I, and I was very critical of, or, or sort of skeptic about him beginning this year because I was still in that camp. Was he successful because he was with Patrick Kane and Alex DeBrinkett or, but then again, you, how do you not carry that over with Mikita Kucherov, Braden points, Steven Stamkos here. Mm -hmm. I think really what it came down to with these guys, you know, and we also got spoiled with Nick Paul coming in and just lighting up. Oh my gosh. And just going off. Yeah. (laughs) I, I think really what it came down to, uh, combined with that is that he just needed to get comfortable. He needed to find himself uh, and and try and figure out what kind of player he was going to be uh, within this group of superstars and all stars. So, and he has, mm-hmm. he's, he's having a phenomenal year. He scored last night and he, but he's not doing, he's not having highlights about it. He's just going in and doing his job, doing his job. And that's all you could ask for. And that's why I think he's so valuable to this team. Yeah, I think in a way he's a very fundamentally sound player. Um, yeah. And it's not as noticed because, you know, if he's not having these highlight role goals, then you're not talking about it as much. And then you've got Nikita Kucherov, who's just Nikita Kucherov, which is always the conversation after every game. I swear media finds yeah. a way to bring Kuch into every conversation. Um, nothing against the guy, but which uh, brings me to midway point evaluation. Team started off where they were basically relying on special teams to get them points, then they mm-hmm. turn into this team that has this even strength attack um, that you cannot not appreciate. Uh, special teams hasn't been their strong suit, I would say, after that point of the season. Um, what's your evaluation of where this team is and the biggest improvement that they're going to need to make when they start talking playoffs 100%? I think they've really done a good job of playing around. They kind of came out flat out of the gates, uh, really started to play as a team in December. Uh, in my opinion, was the best team in the NHL at that point. I mean, if not named the Boston Bruins. And <laughs> I, I think that they've started to kind of come down from, from cloud nine in, in recent weeks, but they're still playing hard. They're still playing physical. They They still have that discipline uh they still are taking care of the park which is you you'd love to see and i i think we're gonna see a little hic- uh, a couple of hiccups here and there down the road but i think really what the question mark is for this team is going to be what version of andre vasileski are you going to get down the stretch and in the playoffs because it's been so much as talked about that he's kind of he's having an off year which if you look at his numbers i think that in, in years past, if we, we weren't having this this goalie renaissance that we are having in the last couple of years, that's enough. What he's doing right now would win you a Vezina like 10 years yeah. ago, which is insane to think about. So I, I think really and, and he's if you look at his numbers compared to when he won the Vezina, he's pretty much along the same lines. So I, I think really and, and obviously the big part is that he hasn't got his first shutout, which will. That's a whole nother conversation for another day. But I think it's a, a lot of eyes are going to be on 88 going forward because it, it, that's going to be so fundamental to whether or not they get back to the Stanley Cup final and, and have a chance mm-hmm. to lift Lord Stanley again. Is It's going to be Andre Vasilevsky because we've seen the, the performance out of the guys on the, on, the, on the ice. They're doing such a great job. They're playing well. I think that they're right at the pace at what Toronto is playing with. I Ideally, I would love to see them within five points to end the season behind Boston, but Boston is just on another level than everybody else. So yeah. you're going to have to kind of root for Boston to to slow down at this point. Um, but yeah, Andre Vasilevsky, I think that 
he could easily get back to his his dominant self. Um, I, I think really all it comes down to is just rattling off a couple of dominant performances. I really thought on my show, I actually predicted that he was going to get a shutout last night, which obviously did not come to fruition. But um, mm-hmm. all it takes is for him is a couple of games to to get things going. And then within a week, the rest of the league is talking about is Vasilevsky in the Vezina Trophy discussion. <laughs> so I think really what it comes down to is him is 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 really how he performs is really it's going to determine how far this team can go uh, as the season closes and as the playoffs start. That's such a great point. I feel like Vazzy's not talked about enough in terms of how much he contributes to getting this team over finish lines. And yeah, it does take dynamic performances to, to gas a guy up like Vasilevsky. He's so meticulous and, and really just kind of functions in his own in his own realm. So it takes very specific things to get him on board. But maybe, just maybe, an all-star weekend can help get his juices going again and get yeah. him excited. Um, we've got to talk about NHL All-Star Week because I had a whole spiel about guys that I felt like needed to make it. Obviously, Mika Rantanen, he should have been the first guy, in my opinion, from the abs um, over anybody else because he's carried his team this season between injuries and lack of, of chemistry over there. Then I had to make a case for Bo Horvat and Dreisaitl. They end up getting in. And then when it came to the Atlantic, one guy, I just asked for one guy, and that was Braden Point. And while I love Vassy, Vassy gets in, Braden Point gets snubbed. What's your thoughts on maybe All-Star Weekend helping Vassy uh, get reduced? And how big of a snub was it to not have Braden Point in All-Star Week? Well, first of all, Braden Point, 21 points in 25 games, kind of speaks for itself. Uh, That's what uh, I thought. <laughs> and unfortunately, you know, you can't have everybody in, but maybe the, the league down the line will change its its structure on how they, how many players they want to have in and maybe have some sort of different of a format to where all the great players get in. But, you know, but with Vasilevsky, I, I think, this could pen, you know, you do have a point there. I think this can be the 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 starting point for him to kind of get off on a a roll here. Uh, he's playing against some of the best of the best now. How seriously he's going to take these games? I mean, I I don't think he's really going to think anything of it. I think there is going to be a little pride there, though. I think he's going to go out mm-hmm. there and want to try and put out a great performance. So who knows? Maybe he plays. He has a couple of highlight saves in the All Star game and. I would imagine he's probably going to have some sort of participation in uh, the shootout competition. So maybe we'll, we'll see uh, him in that and make a couple of great saves. And maybe he could bring that into uh, the, the regular season games and, you know, uh, propel him into the, to the, the elite now conversation. I can't believe we're having that, this conversation <laughs> about Azaleski getting in back into the elite conversation of goaltenders. But yeah, All-Star Weekend. I don't know if you saw the 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 uh, the jerseys dropped, I believe, last night or early this morning. A uh, little bit of a 1994 vibe with a little bit of Miami colors. What's your take on those jerseys? My take is why are we obsessed with Miami Vice vibes across the league now for everything? You know, I it's if, if we don't throw some Miami Vice into it, it's no longer retro. But that being the point of retro has thrown me for a loop. I love the Canucks jerseys that they wore on Wednesday night. I'm not going to lie. I got some backlash from fans on that one. Um, but I'm all for a good throwback. I mean, look, I think I'm one of the few people that actually liked the Lightning's retro jerseys and gave into the they're so bad, they're good vibes. Yeah. 
Um, and so I'm still waiting to, to order my custom one. And that's where I stand with that. So I actually like them. I, I will be merching it up when it comes to all-star weekend with all of throwbacks. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Everything's Miami vice. It's the pink and the lime green that they throw into the mix of everything. I can't hate it, but I just don't understand where the theme particularly came from. You seem like you have a different opinion on it. I liked it. I, I like the Miami Vice colors. Uh, I, I'm actually having more fun giving Locked On Panthers host Armando Velez flack about that. The All-Star game is going to be the biggest game played all year in in, in Florida. So in, in, that, in that arena. So, uh, you know, I, I, I always like to, to to look at the jerseys and, and, and you know, really dissect them. And, and yeah, I... Miami Vice can't go wrong with those colors, though. So, yeah, that's true. They're iconic for a reason. I I will yeah. give them that. Um, Sunrise can use the can use the uh, popularity and the facelift though, because everyone's giving the Panthers so much slack for the season that they're having. But if you really pay attention to the pieces that they formulated together for that team to work, it was a lot of the physical element that that got them as far and helped. Yeah being on their side. So maybe All-Star Week will help more than Vasilevsky's confidence, and that'll kind of spread <laughs> across the way there. Um, Adam, let everybody know where they can find you and when your shows are and show time so that they can continue to listen in to great conversations like this. So Locked on Lightning is every day, Monday through Friday, sometimes depending on the, the schedule where we might put out an, a bonus episode on the weekend. So every day, uh, Locked on Lightning, definitely. You can find the show on YouTube as well as wherever podcasts are distributed in audio form. Give the show a follow on social media, LO underscore Lightning on Twitter, as well as Locked on underscore Lightning on Instagram. And you could give me a follow at Danky Dank on Twitter. Uh, love the conversation. Love the interactions I've been getting from all Lightning fans. Uh, definitely the conversation for the next couple of days will be how did Braden Point not make the All-Star game? all-star team i am excited for that guys yeah. please go follow and especially join that conversation i know we can't change the results now but i feel like if we just talk about it that much more it'll make us all feel better because what are yeah. podcasts if not therapeutic and cathartic in so many different ways adam thank you so much for giving me your time bearing with my tech issues and the lack of me managing the stinking laptop on a friday morning uh hockey fans pucks and bolts fans lightning fans thank you as always be sure to download Pucks and Bolts on the Odyssey app. Follow us at Pucks and Bolts on Twitter as well as Instagram. Keep up to date on all of these exciting episodes when we have lovely guests like Adam to talk about your favorite team and the hockey town that is Tampa Bay. Multiple times a week, as I've mentioned, in those mini episodes where we talk to your favorite players and get insight from coaches. Guys, I am Casey Hudson. This is Adam, and thank you so much for joining us for a brand new episode of Pucks and Bolts. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 